The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We'll talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo's great night and also why you should not underappreciate this season. We will also talk about David Stearns and the New York Mets as well as the MLB lockout plus some more Bucks things before we get to baseball. Uh, DeAndre Bembry now a Buck, Giannis's MVP chances, uh, some injury stuff, golden kegs, the whole thing. We got a great show today. Baseball, basketball, we're ready to go. I'm excited for today's program. Make sure you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports everywhere else. We're also on every podcast network you could possibly have. I don't know if you have Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Overcast, whatever it may be, we are on there. Um, So if you're new to the program, welcome. Hopefully you stick around and you subscribe. If you have been here before, you know what you got to do. You got to rate, you got to review. We'd really appreciate it. Helps us get more in the know so people know who we are. But let's start with Giannis Antetokounmpo and his great night. They definitely know who he is. Giannis Antetokounmpo had one of his best nights of his career. He had 50 points on only 21 shots. This is patently ridiculous. This is something that we do not see in the NBA. Giannis is in rarefied air, especially for a guy that does not shoot a ton of three-pointers. If Giannis shot a ton of three-pointers, like he was a Steph Curry, like a Devin Booker, maybe even a Klay Thompson, and he had 50 points on 21 shots, you'd say, okay, he made X amount of threes. Um, Steph Curry debut this in the research is like Steph Curry has a lot of moments like this but you look at it and it's because he's made a ton of threes Giannis doesn't have that that's why it's so much more special it is not a blip on the radar it's not oh it's Indiana it is a great performance and it's one that it should open people's eyes and ears about why Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA I've said that for a week I've said that for a long time now we did a whole podcast about how it was Giannis's league after the big performance against LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. This to me feels even different because it's a random Tuesday night against a very bad Indiana team. This is kind of some Michael Jordan shit, right? Jordan would have these games where he didn't care who he was playing. He would find the motivation and he would bury those motherfuckers. That is exactly what Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing. Giannis did not take a night off. Giannis said, you know what? We are laying the hammer down. We are winning this game. And we are going to turn it on here. After losing two straight, after losing the Phoenix in Portland, which, again, not a huge deal. Phoenix, really good team at home. It was their Super Bowl uh, to beat the Bucs. They got all the the accolades and everything else. And people were, were buying their sun stock. And then against Portland, Portland has been rolling since they traded everybody. I think a lot of young guys are finally getting their first shot at the NBA. So they don't want to miss it, you know. They're kind of in that lose-yourself mentality. Shout out to Eminem. And so that's probably why the Bucks lost to Portland. The Bucks really weren't that ready to go. Giannis made sure that that wasn't going to happen against Indiana. Even though the Pacers did hold it close for the first three quarters, the Bucks came through with really good defense and more Giannis scoring in the fourth quarter to completely shut down the Pacers, and it wasn't a game. Bucks got hot early in that fourth quarter, and they never really looked back. The Pacers never were able to get back to even playing field. And so the Bucks won by 10 points 
versus like a down dirty clutch moments needed. No clutch moments were needed from the Bucks, and it was all about Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this great season of Giannis's has to be appreciated. You have to realize that he is doing some really special shit, and I, I think that. We can sometimes get lost in that because we watch Giannis every night, right? And I'm not even saying we're spoiled, right? But we can have those moments where we forget how good Giannis Antetokounmpo is. And the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo is leading the league in scoring, but only playing the 54th most minutes in basketball is absolutely fucking crazy, okay? Like that is, that's unheard of. I, I can't, like, I, I would have to get facts and research on it to look at when the last time a guy led the league in scoring and did not, wasn't top 10 in minutes. Even just top 10, right? He's not even top 50. But if we look just top 10 and we were like, all right, you led the league in scoring, where were your minutes? You'd have to kind of dig through and say, what where is Giannis in terms of the rarefied air? It might be the first time that this has ever been done. And that, to me, is enough to say, well, this guy should be the MVP. Now, I think there are going to be a lot of debates around that, and we're going to get to that in a second. But Giannis is doing some special shit where anytime you're watching him, there's a chance he could go for 40 or 50 points. And that is just so exciting. That is so fun to watch. And it doesn't matter the team. You know Giannis is going to bring it against teams that matter, such as Philadelphia on Thursday night. But in games against Indiana, in games against uh, even a Portland, even I know he didn't play, but remember when they were playing Portland in Portland, Giannis delivered an awesome game that night too. Um, It it doesn't matter the opponent. Giannis is going to try to score 50 or 60 points. Originally, I wanted to do a topic because Marcus Johnson's like, the guy could score 60, the guy could score 70. And I was like, maybe um, it's possible. If Giannis became really good at three-point shooting and Giannis just decided to really take over a basketball game, maybe he could get to 60, maybe he could get to 70. I, it's possible, but any any given night, right, that it, there is a chance. But I wanted to dive in to say, like, how rare was 50 and 21? Looking at some of the best scorers in the league, I took five guys. I, you could do a lot more, right? And be like, what was their best output in terms of scoring? And then with the least amount of shots. So the best for Shaquille O'Neal was he had 50 points and he had 26 field goal attempts. Uh, that was the best for Shaq. He also had net, but he only had nine rebounds. And it was a game against the New Jersey Nets in 1998. Shaq's career high, if you're curious, is in a ridiculous stat line of 61 points and 23 rebounds. Just absolutely absurd from Shaquille O'Neal. But yes, that was a game for Shaq where he had 50 points and he was able to make it on 26 shots. So similarly to Giannis, I would say that's close. That's in your range. His teammate, Kobe Bryant, had 52 points in a game against Utah, and he made 26 shots. So really similar, right? That's probably the best output for Kobe Bryant when it comes to the fewest amount of shots and the most points. LeBron James against Orlando in 2011 had 51 points on 25 shots. So again, similar, but that 30, that difference of... 
like 30, right? Giannis had 29. So compared to the, the score, I guess that, would that be the ratio? I'm not a math guy. So I, I guess the, the 29, the 29, it's not a point. It's not a differential. I guess it's like the separation, the 29, all of that is good, but that is not the 29 basis points difference that Giannis has. Like right now, Giannis owns that at 29. So I'm like, okay, there has to be somebody who's close. And I look and sure enough, Michael Jordan, why are we not surprised? He had a game where he scored 58 points on 25 shots. So that's a 33 difference. That's a 33 point difference. Not really points, but you get basis points if you're into that. You know, if you're charting it out, that 33, a difference of 33 for Michael Jordan. Steph Curry had something similar to Giannis. He had 53 on 24 shots. But again, a lot of that is due to the three ball. And I, I didn't want to put a lot of those three-point assassins into this mix because I wanted to look at guys who scored inside the paint more so, like Jordan, Kobe similar, Braun, Shaq. But so yeah, the third the difference of 33 is kind of the high with Jordan and 58 and 25. Now do I think Giannis could do that someday? Absolutely. Like I, I think that is absolutely on the table, um, and he could potentially, you know, push this to new heights. And I really do think that the sky is the limit when it comes to the night Giannis could have on any given day in the NBA because he is that special and he is the best player in the league. I, I know I, I've said this a few times throughout the year, but. It has to be considered. The, the things that Giannis does, now the fact that he has a jumper, the fact that he has a more consistent three-point shot makes him incredibly hard to defend. The fact that he makes free throws, again, makes him very difficult to defend. And you put all of that together with the stuff he already had, and it makes Giannis the best player in the NBA. I'm sorry. I know there are people who like Kevin Durant. I know there are people who might throw Joel Embiid into the mix. Nobody is doing what Giannis is doing on a night-to-night basis. So yes, for that reason, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo should be the MVP of this league. Now, do I think he's going to get it? I don't know. I don't think so. Unless the Bucks, you know, go on this massive tear and they're one seed or two seed, and then you look at it and you have to give it to Giannis, where the dust settles and Giannis is the MVP, right? Do I think Giannis cares? No, I think he doesn't give a shit. I think Giannis wants to win another title. I don't think Giannis cares at all if he gets another MVP crown. I think Giannis would say it's great, but at the end of the day, Giannis will take a NBA Finals MVP. Giannis will take another NBA Finals before he's worried about his third MVP. But he is definitely deserving this year. The question is, will the storyline be good enough? Because I look at it and I say, well, if... Joel Embiid has a better record and his Sixers have a better record than Giannis. Will Joel, Joel Embiid get it over Giannis Antetokounmpo? Because this has been the sort of breakout year for Joel Embiid. Now, I know you're saying, well, Charlie, that's crazy. Joel Embiid has been a great player in the NBA for years. True, but Embiid stayed healthy. Embiid's been dominant. I mean, what he did against that Cleveland interior. Remember, Cleveland has one of the best interior defenses. We talk all the time about Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Embiid tore him up for 40 and 10 last week. Like that's Giannis type shit, okay, from Embiid. And Embiid's had that year. And so Embiid deserves the credit. Embiid deserves 
to be considered and be in that mix. Now, I do wonder what James Harden will do for Embiid, like whether that'll help and propel him and carry Philly to one seed or two seed, and then Embiid does get that MVP, or if, you know, Harden, you know, takes some of that scoring away from Embiid, and it's more of a Harden-Embiid combination, and voters are less likely to vote for Joel. I don't know. If the Bulls finish on top of the Central Division, I think DeMar DeRozan is going to be considered. Some of the stuff DeMar DeRozan is crazy. Uh, He's been having a great season. I can't ignore it. I think he's one of the most annoying players to watch play basketball. But still, I think DeMar DeRozan deserves a ton of credit for what he's done. And he's revived a staple organization in the NBA. It would be like if a random quarterback came to the Packers after Aaron Rodgers and he just had this awesome year after the Packers had been down for three or four years that quarterback would get consideration think of it like Kurt Warner coming to Arizona that similar thought process right that's kind of what DeMar DeRozan has done for the Bulls and I think if the Bulls finish ahead of the Bucks, ahead of the Cavs I think there will be a lot of love for DeMar for the MVP. And again, that storyline is a lot better no matter what Giannis Antetokounmpo does. As much as I want Giannis Antetokounmpo to be the MVP, I realistically know that Giannis Antetokounmpo probably doesn't have that great of a shot because the guys like Embiid, DeRozan, I have a hard time also with Jokic. Similar similar thought process, right? Jokic is doing incredible. Like He has 11 triple-doubles this year. He's, he's had a great year. But again, he last year won it. I don't think there are going to be a lot of people who say, all right, we're going to go back-to-back with Jokic, especially because Denver is not like the top team in the West. If Denver was the top team in the West, I think, yeah, you have a real conversation about Jokic. I do think Chris Paul will be considered as well because Chris Paul is at like 11 assists a game. Uh, he's having a really good year. I think there are going to be some that are like, I can't believe he's doing it. Old guy award, similarly to what people talked about with Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady didn't win it, but I, he got considered. So I think really right now, if I had to handicap it from a realistic guide, I'd probably say it's DeRozan, Chris Paul, Giannis in that order. That to me, from a storyline perspective, from a Charlie perspective, from who I am and what I feel like, I would say it's Giannis, Embiid, DeRozan, probably in that order. That would be me. But I, I just look at it and I think it it's probably that list. Maybe Embiid over over DeRozan. I don't know. I don't I just can't can't get my head around DeRozan as an MVP. I really can't. I don't know, man. Maybe it's Embiid DeRozan, yeah or Embiid Paul Giannis DeRozan. I, I I don't know. Would voters would voters actually have DeRozan as an MVP? You know the Chicago media is gonna push hard for it. And Chicago is a big media voice. And Chicago, again, is a staple. I mean, if there was a guy, if DeRozan did this for the Knicks, right? Or even the Lakers, fuck. Like, if he if he had done this with LeBron, and let's say he's sort of LeBron's sidekick, and he's doing, that's maybe all Clippers. Let's, let's use Clippers. That Lakers, bad example. If he's doing this for Clippers, he's doing this for the Knicks, he's doing this for, we mentioned the Bulls, but like, that's a big deal because those are big markets. Those are public teams. Celtics would be another example of this, right? Like if he was doing this for the Celtics right now, Bill Simmons would be like leading the fucking charge for him to get an MVP. So we'll see what happens. I am not 
uh, confident that Giannis is going to get the MVP, but I also think that Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't exactly care about it. Uh, moving to the Golden Kegs really quick uh, from last night. Giannis Antetokounmpo, duh, three kegs. You know it. You know that's him. Uh, Chris Middleton, uh, 19 points with the second keg, 7-12. Really nice bounce back game for mids after a really rough game against Portland. Hopefully there's more of that for Middleton. I don't know, man. Like, I just want Middleton to have, like, a stretch where he just can't miss. And I've been waiting for it all year. I hope that it comes at some point. I hope maybe being around guys that are all-stars will help propel him. I realize Middleton has been an all-star before, but it would be nice if maybe pick up a few things, learn learn a little bit, or just sort of get that fire back. Because it's missing just a little bit from meds. Uh, but yeah, last night was good. Lindell Wiginton deserves credit. He had 12 points off the bench in 20 minutes. I... I won't even say that I liked what I saw from Wiginton. Not to be a hater. He had a good night, but he should be playing 20 minutes in an NBA game for a team contending for a playoff spot. Wiginton should be on the Pacers. Um, he Good for him to have a nice game. Good for him to have that moment. Um, I had 12 points once in a game against Wisconsin Hills when I was in 8th grade. Everybody thought I was going to be good because it was like the second game of our of our season. It was my second game with Whitman as well. And then I don't think I ever scored 12 points again. I don't think I even got fucking close. Uh, just one of those nights where I couldn't miss. Uh, so maybe that was it for Wiginton. Um, but I don't necessarily want to see him on an NBA roster in two or three weeks. Like, if we can still play 20 minutes after the buyout stuff is all figured out, we have some major fucking problems for the Bucks bench. Uh, other news and notes for Milwaukee. Uh, they added DeAndre Bembry. Uh, he signs with the Bucks. Uh, they might lose Grayson Allen, though, who had he's been having this on and off hip thing. I doubt we'll see Allen on Thursday night against Philadelphia. Probably gets him an extra couple days of rest before the All-Star break. So hopefully he can rest that hip and be all right uh, heading into that game against Brooklyn uh, two Saturdays from now. They do get a guy in Bembry that can really play defense out of the wing. He's very physical. He can attack. He's not going to give you a ton of offense and is not that great of a three-point shooter. I think that's okay. I think that is okay to have. Like I, I think having a guy that's more D than three on the wing is is perfectly fine. It's something that the Bucks could really use in terms of their rotation. It's just a matter of making sure that when you have Bembry in there, you have guys that can score. So whether that's Giannis, whether that's Bobby Portis, whether that's Drew Holiday, Middleton, like making sure that Bembry is not with, let's say, George Hill. Um, I would even put a Baca in there, Jordan Nora. Well, Jordan Nora can score. It's just a matter of Jordan Nora is confident that night that he can score. I, I think hopefully that's starting to develop more for him now that Dante DiVincenzo is leaving. He has nobody to look over his shoulder. I still don't even think Bembry is a guy to look over his shoulder. But basically, you can interchange Nora and Bembry. It's like, all right, is this a night where we need a lot of scoring? Insert Nora. Is this a night where we need more defense than we do offense on our bench? Insert Bembry. So I, I think both of those kind of play hand in hand, and it kind of covers up some of the defensive issues that Nora still has. Like Nora is not a good defender. He could shoot the lights out, and I, I really do think there's going to be some moments for him late in the season. And I think as he continues to grow his confidence, it could be there. And who knows with Bembry in terms of him as a shooter? I know I know what the stats say. I will just point out that the Bucks have been very good at getting guys going because of their offense, because of the 
opportunities that Giannis provides. I do think Bembry is going to have some moments to kind of develop that shooting. And also, too, he's a Bud guy from way back when. He played with Bud in Atlanta, so he knows this system. Um, so that also helps. Like, he can get in right away and start adapting. So that's the first move for Milwaukee when it comes to the quote-unquote buyout market. Now, Bembry, not a buyout guy. He was actually released. Um, Goran Dragic did get bought out by the, the San Antonio Spurs yesterday. Many signs point that Dragic should go to the Heat. And if he does, good, whatever. If he's going to go to the Heat, I just would rather him continue to play the villain and be the cocksucker that he is. Now, if he wants to go to the Bucs, I will take back everything I said. I will delete this part of the podcast. But some part of me feels good about trying to go back to the Heat. Not in like a basketball or fan sense. It's more of like a personality. Like, okay, just bring all the villains there. Let's just... Let's just have the good versus evil battle between the Bucks and the Heat and get it over with. We'll keep an eye out on the buyout market as it continues. I'm sure there will be more news. And tonight we have a podcast with Mitch. Him and I will be talking about Eastern Conference matchups um, in honor of the Sixers and what the Bucks will face with them. Um, we'll kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, as well as other things, I'm sure, um, as we get to another edition of Tapping the Keg, episode 451. All right, let's do some baseball before we ride out of here. We haven't done baseball in a long time, uh, mostly because the lockout is happening. Not much has changed. Uh, It's a lot of bickering back and forth. And I want to touch on the lockout in a little bit. But before I do, I want to talk about David Stern. So David Stern's uh, is apparently still being courted by the New York Mets. Even though the New York Mets have a GM and Billy Epler, uh, there is still a fascination, a flirtation with David Stearns. The Mets are his hometown team. Everybody seems to know that. I don't know why this isn't tampering, but David Stern's name continues to get brought up with the Mets. It'd be really nice, too, if David Stern said, fuck these guys, I'm not interested. I don't want to want to be here i want to be in milwaukee i'm committed to milwaukee and that is final but david stearns hasn't done that and because david stearns hasn't gone out to say that the stories keep coming the stories keep coming of david stearns potentially being part of the mets organization now there are stipulations reported by andy martino of uh, one of the new york media networks i apologize to andy that i don't know his media network but They reported on Stern's contract, which none of us really knew. Every one of us was in the dark. They don't have to report contracts of front office people. Somehow, some way, they got a hold of what Stern's contract details, which is very interesting. If the Brewers win the pennant this year, 2022, then Stern's becomes a free agent. Stern's is allowed to go wherever he wants. So if the Brewers get to the World Series, David Stern's is then a free agent. So that basically is like the agreement of my work here is done. If after the 2023 season, uh, they have not won a pennant and David Stearns is still there, he can then be also renewed. There, The contract basically is not, not a thing. And you can then start looking at options like the Mets, maybe an LA team, maybe Texas. I don't know. Basically, David Stearns would have an option to leave the Brewers if he wants. Now, would Mark Ananasio allow that? I don't know. I don't know what kind of conversations go on. It is very much like Red China in that organization. We talk about it with the Packers all the time. The same can be said for the Brewers and really for the Bucks. I mean, every front office 
does not say a fucking peep these days. We have no idea what the Brewers have planned from David Stearns, from Ananasio. I really hope that there is a journalist in Milwaukee that's following up with David and saying, all right, hey, this is what's been reported. I'm doing my job. I'm following up with you. Like, why do you, why does the Mets interest continue to keep coming up? That would be my question. I would even ask about the contract. I'd be like, why do we keep having this conversation about the Mets? What do they know from there? Is it just kind of click? I don't want to say clickbait because that's not true. But like, is it just like they're trying to fish for stories? And so this David Stearns thing keeps coming up. And oh, by the way, he's like really good friends with Billy Upler too. So like the GM of the of the Mets now is is one of Stearns' friends. So it's not like Stearns and him are on bad terms or like they don't know each other. Like they do know each other conveniently enough. So what, like, I, I think it's really hard for me to look at this and say like, I, I want to believe that David Stearns isn't going to go to the Mets, but when it keeps getting talked about, when it keeps getting brought up, you just feel like it's going to happen. Like, it's an odd comparison, but it feels kind of similar to, like, the James Harden, Ben Simmons stuff. Like, we heard for about a week, week and a half, that the guys were going to get traded for each other. And it's like, there's just too much smoke. It's like, this is not necessarily too much smoke because it doesn't come up every day. But it's like, it sparks something. It's like a geyser. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, David Stearns and Mets, here we go. Like, let's talk about it. Now, is it just the New York media and it's the thirstiness of the Mets fans to get a guy like Stearns into their organization as he would be the most stable force that they've had really since the 80s? Maybe, but it's just one of those things where I don't necessarily understand why it keeps coming up. I feel like at some point we need to shut it down. So whether it's David Stearns, whether it's Mark Ananasio, whether it's somebody else, whether it's somebody at the Mets, where the Mets are like, look, we like David. We think David is a bright mind in baseball, but we love our guys what we have right now. And we'll continue to explore options. And if David becomes available, you know, maybe we will pursue that path. We were certainly interested in him and his contract didn't allow it. And that's where we are. And who knows? Maybe we don't need David. And maybe we are good with the guys we have. I don't know. Just somebody needs to talk because I'm kind of sick of this topic. I'm sick of having this conversation of like, will he or won't he? Like if David Sturge wants to go to the Mets, just fucking go. All right. Like, and I know this sounds like a jilted boyfriend and like a jilted lover. Like if you want to leave, just go. Like, but seriously, like why keep doing this? Like why keep putting us out on a, on a limb? Just if you need, if you want to go you know, be the guy for your hometown team and want to take them to a World Series, I understand that. I get it, right? Like that, I'm, that is not lost on me, all right? So if that's what you want to do, if that's kind of your peak and your sort of finality where you're like, all right, I do this and then I can retire, sweet, great. But I don't think the Brewers should be strung along. I don't think that's fair to their fans. I don't think it's fair to their ownership. I don't think it's fair to their players. So I really would like somebody to speak up about it and kind of shut it down or confirm it's true and just get the fuck out and just work on trade, figure out a way to get David Stearns to the Mets because I don't really need a guy who has one foot in and one foot out either uh, for the Brewers this season. Didn't realize how much the Stearns stuff made me mad. (laughs) You know, sometimes you do these podcasts and you're like, 
a little bad about this. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's just annoying. So anyways, MLB lockout really quick, and then we'll uh, leave today. So MLB lockout is in full force. Uh, the MLB has been locked out. They've been negotiating on and off. It's They spend like an hour talking. Things that have been already you know receptive, the DH rule and a few other things. I personally kind of wish they just don't have a season. And I know that's really tough to hear if you're a baseball fan because you're like, what do you mean? Like, don't you want to have like a random April game on the radio or TV when you're working? Yeah, be great. Like, be great to have the Brewers starting in April. Be great to go to opening day. It'd be great to do all of the things that the Brewers, you know, bring you. That said, I just, I get so fed up with, with how baseball handles themselves they are so poorly run. I think Rob Manfred is the worst commissioner in sports. Like I know Gary Batman gets a lot of shit, but look, the NHL figured out that they needed to kind of expand their media presence now on ESPN, now on TNT. Like that's really good stuff for for the NHL. And I think the NHL playoffs are going to get a lot more buzz because they're on the mouse, because they're on Turner, and I think they will get similar attention to what we see with some of the minor sports, such as baseball, which I would put in that category. I think basketball and football are on a whole other team. Football is like on a god-level tier. Basketball, I think, is second. and then, Well, actually, college football I would put underneath, underneath NFL. I would say it's college or NFL on a god tier, college football on sort of that mid-tier, NBA next, college basketball, and then it's MLB and NHL. I do think the NHL, if Major League Baseball is not playing, I think the NHL is a real opportunity to steal some fans. I, I do. I think there's an opportunity there to have the playoffs, which are great, and in April, so right around when baseball starts, to really start capturing that fan base. Like if I were running social media marketing for the, NFL, the NHL, I would be running ads against baseball fans to get people into the game. Like I would be like, all right, this is a window of opportunity. I'd do the same thing if I was an NBA team too. Like if I were the Bucks, I'd be sending, you know, ticket ads to Brewer fans because Brewer fans are going to look at this and be like, well, I want to I want to do opening day and I don't have that ability. So why don't I go to the Bucks team? Now Bucks a little more expensive than the Brewers and I'm sure there there are some complications with this this sort of strategy. But you hear my point of like, I think that baseball needs to understand that they are going to lose a lot of fucking fans if they do this. Now, from what I talk to somebody who knows a little bit more than I do, it doesn't sound like they're going to miss any games. It sounds like the players really do need the day-to-day money and everything like that and that it's really important and, and they will come to some resolution and they will not miss any games. That there will be no games missed. So whether it's starting a week late, whether it is starting two weeks late, there will be no games missed. They will play 162. They will figure out how to expand their schedule, whether that means a neutral site World Series, which I think could be on the table. And trust me, I think Rob Manfred has some interest in that because he's a money-sucking asshole. Like, the guy, all he wants is money. He doesn't care about anything else. Like, Goodell is similar, but I do think Goodell looks out for the players at times. And yes, he is owner-focused, but I I don't think it's always about the money. I think sometimes Goodell wants to make sure that the competition is good there too. I don't think Manfred even cares about the competition. 
I think Manfred is like, as long as we get an LA or a New York team or a Chicago team, we're fine. We are we are set. I also don't think Adam Silver thinks that way. I think Bettman kind of does. Um, and I think because he they are just so dependent on those big markets. So getting a big market into the into the Stanley Cup final is really important for them and getting a team that's not from Canada. Because if you get a team from Canada, you're fucked because the ratings are just gonna be absolute trash. So that's a part of that that the NHL is a little bit different. But I, I think Manfred is chasing every dollar instead of looking at how can we make the games more competitive? How can we make 18 to 24 year olds want to watch baseball? The fact of the matter is, is the Gen Z era does not want to watch baseball. And my generation does. Like I was listening to Bill Simmons and Michael Schur, uh second Simmons mentioned on the podcast, but they were like, oh, the young people don't watch baseball. I was like, eh. True and not true. Like the young, young people, the Gen Z, yes. The generate, the millennials, millennials are still watching baseball. A lot of my friends are Brewers fans, whether they are into it every night, whether it's just going to a few games, whether it is just around the playoffs. Like I remember when the Brewers were in the playoffs last last October, like my text threads were going, like everybody's fired up. Everybody was all in on that Brewers team. So it's not like people are just ignoring it. But if you asked an 18 to 24 year old in the Milwaukee area, if he knew the Brewers or she, for that matter, keep it in- inclusive. If they were like, hey, do you know what the Brewers did last season? I don't know if they could provide you an answer. I really don't. And that's a problem with baseball. That is the problem right there. And Manfred really should be worried about cutting every dollar out or getting every dollar you know, acquired to baseball. It should be, how do we make it more fun for the 18 to 24 year old? What can we do? How can we speed up the game? Do we have limited commercials? Do we have like, you know, sort of what golf does where it's like taking time through the break? Do we have like a Netflix show that you're that saw F1's popularity just explode and you're seeing tennis doing it and you're seeing the PGA do it? You know why? Because they're getting more notoriety. And I do think there is a real shot just with the, the growing popularity of golf and the just making golf more fun like what happened at the waste management open and i think that there is going to be a potential that golf could take over baseball because golf has more personalities than baseball does right now if you had to put it up to a challenge and say who has more personalities in their game you would say golf who has better storylines golf like there's no bryson and brooks rivalry in baseball none of that exists there there isn't there isn't one right there isn't a guy like Brooks Kepka who's kind of like, I don't really care about golf, but I hit the ball far. I'm really good at it and fuck off. Like, th- there isn't a guy like that. There, There is that Mike Trout, but Mike Trout has a personality of a fucking rock. No one has reached out to Mike Trout in baseball or in the Angels and been like, you got to sort of show your personality more. You got to be out there. We got to have more deals for you. No one is doing that. You got to start like... If Mike Trout, like let's say with John Boy or Barstool or something like that, if he did a podcast with them and said, all right, I'm going to do like a weekly sit down, kind of like what Aaron Rodgers does with Pat McAfee. And, and Pat McAfee could do this too. Why couldn't Mike Trout be, be part of that as well, right? Why couldn't that happen? So I think baseball almost needs a lockout because they need to know how fucked they really are. And they need to know that there are so many people that are going to care less and less and you need to find a way 
to make your players more like personalities and get them on the social media and get them talking more and more. They have a youth problem and they are not doing anything in this lockout to fix it. And that's what drives me crazy. And there's just bickering back and forth. And it's like, can we just play baseball and not worry about the money and worry about how we get the next generation to become baseball fans? All right, that does it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow. Mitch and I, like I said, tabbing the keg. Look forward to that. Um, We will be back in the mix and we will talk to you guys then. All right, see you. Bye.